Hey, good morning to you all. Really uh, wonderful to see all of you here. And I know there's quite a few of us who are sick, you know, who are in, in church who are sick or dealing with the flu, and they're not here today. But it's really wonderful to see all of you here. Um, especially Lena with that eye-catching shirt. I just took a double look at you right here. Uh, and especially wonderful to have some visitors with us. And if you're here for the first time, can I just extend again such a warm welcome to you. And really hope that you'll stay behind for some morning tea and chat and get to know each other a bit better. Um, this morning, we usually at church, we, we read through the Gospel of John. But this morning, I'm going to take us to Hebrews chapter 4. And I want to read from verse 14 to 16. And, uh, you know, the story behind this is that yesterday morning, I had the wonderful privilege of being invited to speak at the uh, New Zealand Tamil Christian Fellowship. And uh, the Godwins invited me there. And it was really wonderful to go over there and share with them two messages really about Jesus. And I had the honor of just talking about Jesus and what He has done for us and how wonderful He is. And I based my messages there from the book of Hebrews, which I think is the most wonderful book, but sometimes can be difficult to get into and kind of mine out the gold, as it were. But this morning I want to share with you this little passage in Hebrews chapter 4. And it talks about an aspect of Jesus which is not often thought about. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 to 16 just refers to Jesus as our high priest. And that's the term that we probably don't hear very often about Jesus. We hear about Him as our Lord, as Savior, as God, all of which are true. But not often do we hear about Him as High Priest. And I want to just talk very briefly this morning about what that means. And I really want you to see Jesus the way the Bible presents Him to us. And really hoping that that will encourage you. But I'll read now. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Since then, we have a great High Priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may, we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. Reveal your truth to us, Lord, from your word and help our hearts to be open to receive it and to get to know you personally, relationally from hearing you speak to us. Oh Lord, would you send your spirit into every heart here this morning and do a most wonderful work of drawing us to you. We've asked this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now what does it mean when it refers to Jesus as high priest? It's just not a term we use very often. But luckily the author of Hebrews in the very next verse explains that every high priest chosen from among men, is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. And that's an imagery straight from the Old Testament. But to cut it short and make it simple, a high priest is a person who has been appointed by God to act as a representative or a go-between between God and His people. It's kind of like, you know, if you see it through the signs now, I'm not sure you've seen it through the streets. There's all these, vote this guy for the city council, or vote this guy for the wild board, or, you know, vote this guy for this council representative. Or even in the general elections, we vote for our MPs and the parliament. What we're really voting for in our democratic country is voting for people to represent us. To kind of govern the country and have a legislation that represent us. 
for our good. And a high priest is a little bit like that in that they're appointed by God to represent the people of God. And they're to come before God as a go-between, as a mediator or an intermediary, as someone who represents the people to God. And then when they come back to the people, they represent God to the people in some way. But we see here that the high priest appointed by God is especially there to offer gifts and sacrifices to God. And I won't touch on this too long, but the, one of the central aspects of Jesus is that He offers Himself as the sacrifice which makes His people acceptable to God. So naturally, we're, we're not with God in His full presence. We're separated from Him because we do not know Him naturally. That's what the Bible describes as sin, a, a not knowing of God, a separated from God. Nobody is born naturally knowing God. And Jesus, as the sacrifice, takes away the guilt that comes from being separated from God, and He opens that way to God. And when Hebrews now talks about Him as the high priest, it talks a little bit about what He is like towards His people after having made that sacrifice for them. And this morning, I really want to bring out three simple points about Jesus that Hebrews tells us that I really hope will help you to have a clearer picture of what Jesus is like towards His people, His church, His loved ones, His, His brothers and sisters, the children of God. And the first thing I want to point to your attention is we see here in Hebrews 4 verse 14, we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has passed through the heavens. And later on in Hebrews 10, verse 12, it will say that He has sat down at the right hand of God. See, Jesus as the high priest, after He has sacrificed Himself in love for His people, He has now gone through the heavens, the highest place imaginable in the spiritual sense. And He can almost say in a locational way, such an interesting imagery, that He sits at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus is right next to God in His immediate presence. And one of the most amazing things that Jesus does for His people as their high priest, Romans chapter 8 verse 34 tells us that Jesus always makes intercession for His people. That's an old-fashioned old word, but what that simply means is that He prays for His people. And you remember John chapter 10, He knows His sheep by name. Do you know that, church, Jesus right now in heaven prays for you by name? He brings to God the Father all the troubles that you have, all the issues that you deal with, all the terrible sins that you struggle with, and He prays for you by name. And He brings you before the attention of God the Father, from whom all blessings flow, and He prays for your good in every spiritual sense. That's already amazing enough for us to just stop and reflect on for the whole of this morning. And that should absolutely blow your mind that Jesus prays for you every moment in the immediate presence of God. Have you ever been encouraged when you've been going through a difficult season and a friend draws near to you and says, oh, I, I don't know the, the absolute depth of what you're going through, but even I can see that you're going through a tough time. Let me pray for you, brother or sister. Has that, has that ever been an, an encouragement to you? To know that somebody cares enough for you that they would spend their time before God Almighty to ask for blessings in every spiritual sense for you. Asking God to help you to know His love. 
Asking God to help you go through whatever issue you're going through. Asking God to comfort you and encourage you. Has that been encouragement to you? How much more so, dear believer, that Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, He prays for you by faith. He says, oh, Father, remember highly in all His weakness and in His struggles, help Him. Help Him to know your love. Help Him to be strengthened. That's what Jesus does right now for His church. And that's just scratching the iceberg, as it were, because the other thing that is so amazing for us, that He is at the right hand of God, I've said it already, is that He has immediate access to God the Father. If you turn around right now to the person next to you and you whisper in the ear, even though they might not like it, the first thing you'll hear is what you've just said to them. Right? Because you're right next to them and you say in the ear, Hello, they're going to listen to you first. They're just going to hear you first. Because you're right next to them. And because Jesus is at the right hand of God, when He turns to speak to God the Father, He has His immediate and full attention. Do you see that? Jesus at the right hand of God has immediate and full and total di direct contact with God the Father. But think with me here. If Jesus represents us and He is at the right hand of God, then does that not mean that us going to God in Him means that we have full and direct access to God? It does mean that. And the Bible gives this wonderful, glorious reality to every believer in the name of Jesus that you have full access to God's ear whenever you pray to Him in God's name. Just think about that for a second. I can't even call Vodafone without being put on hold, saying, your call is important to us, please wait, you're position five. I pay them money with my internet bills and they don't even pick up first when I call them. But God Almighty, who rules the universe, as soon as the least of His people go to Him in Jesus' name, His ear is open immediately. Does that not encourage you to pray to Him? How wonderful is it that God listens to His people immediately because they come to Him through the high priest that is at His right hand. Wow. You have full and immediate access to God, dear Christian believer. And if you pray to Him, even right now, as I, as I speak to you, as I preach, God hears you. There is no waiting tone for you. There is no dial tone waiting, forcing you to wait before you. What, do some religious observance, come to church before God will hear you? Making sure that you pray five times a day before God will hear you? There is no such thing for the one who is in Jesus Christ. Because the sacrifice of Jesus is perfectly sufficient to give us access to and so the fact that He is at the right hand of God is a glorious, glorious thing. I could go on speaking for hours and not be really able to help you to scratch even the, the little bits of it. But the Holy Spirit, God Himself, I pray that He would impress upon your heart the wonderfulness of this truth. But let's go on to consider verse 15. Because there's another aspect of Jesus that helps us to be so wonderfully in love with Him. He says in verse 15 that we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, Jesus, He was made man, though He is God of God, perfectly divine and equal with the Father. 
And yet the Bible says in His love for us and wanting to rescue His people, He took on human flesh. Do you know the God who made bread was hungry? The God who commands the oceans was thirsty. The God who called every star by name was underneath the stars at night without a place to sleep. That's what He was like when He was here on earth. Jesus in His humanity experienced the universal experience of every human being suffering. That's what great philosophers say. They say the universal human experience is that everyone knows what suffering is like in some way, shape, or form. I think we can agree to that. Even now, if you were a little child, you've experienced what it's like to suffer, haven't you? You've experienced what it's like to not get the ideal, the best, the greatest. That's human experience. Everyone has experienced it. Do you know, Jesus has experienced what it's like to suffer, hunger, thirst, homelessness. Poor and destitute was his lot when he was here on earth. And it says that he was tempted in every way as we are, but he was without sin. Which is amazing enough because I have so many things that Christ did not have and yet I fail when I am tempted. But Christ never failed when he was tempted which makes him uniquely qualified to help us in our temptations. But does that not encourage you that he is a savior and a Lord and a priest who knows what you're going through experientially? You know, one of the most difficult things in our human experience is that we can never truly and fully communicate everything we experience to others around us. Even with my loving spouse who wants to listen to me sometimes, I cannot fully explain to her everything that I'm feeling. And to a lesser degree, I can't understand everything she's feeling. And one of the most, one of the most discouraging things is trying to explain all the things we go through, knowing that the other person will never fully understand. But you know, Jesus, because He has experienced what it's like to be tempted and suffer as a human being, and because He knows all things as God, he knows perfectly well everything that you experience. Everything that you feel and go through, He knows. Dear church, have you any trouble or any suffering? Go to Jesus now. He knows perfectly well what you're going through. Have you any need? Ask Him for help. He knows. And what's more, he doesn't just know and say, well, I know, but I do not care. He cares. Because it says here that he sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. He not only knows that our frame is dust, that we're so weak and pathetic, but he cares and he comes along us with gentle and compassionate of heart. And he sympathizes with us. Wow. He is a great high priest. Who knows what it's like to go through what you are going through. He knows you. I would dare to say even better than you know yourself. Does that not encourage you to go to Him and pray? And to seek after Him? And to spend time with Him? And to be with Him? Believer, have you ever experienced what it's like to be with this wonderful High Priest? Not just to learn facts about Him. Not just to learn theological doctrines about Him but to really know Him personally, experientially, knowing that He listens to me and that He cares for me. Have you ever experienced that blessing? 
every one of his people ought to know that reality in some degree or another. And one of the things that lead us in our Christian life is that we have tasted that the Lord is good and we want more of that goodness. The driving force behind the Christian life is this response of love and gratitude and wanting more of this wonderful Savior. Oh, I pray that this, this, even these two things about Jesus would lead you to go to Him and go to Him and go to Him every single day. He is a great high priest who cares for you. But lastly, I want to draw out a third truth. And it's actually not explicitly found here in these three verses. But later on in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 24, the author of Hebrews especially says that Jesus holds his priesthood permanently. Why? Because he continues forever. You see, Jesus is not merely human. Even though he is fully human like us, glory of glories, he is fully God also. Which means he is eternal. Which means even now, 2,000 years later, compared to when this book was written, Jesus is still the same today. He is at the right hand of God right this second. And he remains the same. And he will remain the same thousands of years into the future. Imagine if Jesus was not always the same. Imagine if He was not eternal. Then what we read here from the author of Hebrews 2,000 years ago, we would have no confidence that if we go to Jesus, we would find Him the same sympathetic high priest. What if He's changed? What if He no longer cares for weak and burdened sinners who are separated from God? What if He finds us annoying and loathsome? And does not care to help us. Because he is permanently the high priest over God's house. And he remains the same forever. Two millenniums later. Three, four, five, ten thousand years later. One can go to him and have every confidence that he is the same sympathetic high priest at the right hand of God. Believer, you can go to him now. 2019, you will find Jesus Christ, the same wonderful and compassionate Lord and Savior as He was 2,000 years ago. As He has always been through our time of memorial, He has always been this way. Does that not encourage you to always go to Him? He will not change throughout our lifetimes, even though we change so much. We change even now, we're changing, but He remains the same. And Him being the same is an anchor that holds the believer even through the toughest of trials. I don't know what you are going through in your life, Christian believer. But one thing I know from absolute certainty, Jesus your Lord remains the same. And if you go to Him, you will receive help and mercy in your time of need. No matter what that time is. Doesn't that, isn't that drawn out explicitly here? Since we have a great high priest who is sympathetic to us, verse 16 of chapter 4, let us then go to him with confidence. Draw near to him in the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in time of need. All of this is impossible with certainty unless Jesus continues forever in the same way that he always has been. But glory of glories, he is still the same today as he was yesterday. He will still be the same tomorrow as He is today. 
And this is just briefly showing us from Hebrews the wonderfulness of Jesus our Lord. It's not merely that He made a sacrifice for us and then He says, Alright church, get going, good luck on your own. How terrible would that be? I have so many struggles, I need God's help every single moment. And if Christ was not my high priest before God, I would have no confidence that God wants to hear me and that God wants to help me. But every believer, because He is who He is, can go to God with confidence in Jesus' name, knowing that they will receive help from God. Knowing that if they seek Him wholeheartedly, trusting and relying entirely on Jesus, they have God's ear at that very moment. Does that not encourage you to pray? Does that not encourage you to go to Do you know, believer, that the most important thing you can do in this life is to pray to Him who can do all things? We look around us and we even think about New Zealand and all the things that are happening and we wish God would do something wonderful to help this nation. And we wish we could do something to help this nation. What can we do to help our neighbors and our co-workers to know the greatest thing there is, the love of God? Many might conclude, well, we've got to be out there 24-7 preaching and sharing with people and talking with people and handing out tracts and, and all of those things are necessary, but they're not the most important thing. Salvation belongs to the Lord, does it not? Then the most important thing I could say the most effective thing believers can do is to go to the throne of God and to ask Him to to pray to Him and to seek after Him in the name of Jesus whom He has given for us, saying, Lord, would you please do these wonderful things? That's the greatest thing that you and I can do. Prayer is the best thing we can do because prayer connects us to the one who can do unimaginably more than all that we ask or imagine. Oh church, I pray that you would be a praying church. But you know, if I stopped here, I don't think I would be doing what I was called to do by God in sharing His Word. Because I've labored even now, just for a brief moment, to share with you, God's people, how wonderful Jesus is. But I especially now need to speak to you who are not yet believers in Jesus Christ. I must speak to you, and I, and I hope you'll be patient with my straight words. Do you know these blessings that we've just considered about how wonderful Jesus is to His people? They are not yet yours if you are not a believer in His name. He is a high priest over the household of God, not over the world in general. And these wonderful blessings do not belong to anyone who has not yet committed themselves wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ, trusting in Him entirely for their acceptance before God. And I don't say this to make you feel bad for the sake of it. I say this to help you to understand that you need to come to Jesus as soon as you can. Right now, this morning, oh, I pray God would draw you to Him. Think about the terribleness of remaining away from Jesus. If in Jesus Christ alone we have full access to God, then apart from Him, you have no access to God, the Creator of all things. If in Jesus Christ we have the sympathetic and caring ear of God Almighty outside of Him, you have no guarantee that God hears you or your cries for help. 
And if in Jesus we have this assured confidence that lasts forever, that He will always accept us. If we ourselves remain away from Him, the only assurance that we have is that we will come to death and destruction. You know, recently here in New Zealand, it's been raining and it's been thundering. And I've often looked outside and thought, how terrible would it be to be stuck outside in that downpour, not having shelter and warmth. And I know that is the experience of many in this world. But I want to say to you, all those who are outside the shelter of Jesus Christ, that is exactly what they are like in every spiritual sense. They are caught in the storm and in the rain with no shelter from the storms and the thunders that go on over their heads. Jesus Christ is the shelter. And He welcomes every single person, no matter how weak you may think you are, how wretched you are. He welcomes you. He is a caring, sympathetic high priest. But you must enter the door into that shelter. And that door is faith. Committing yourself entirely to Jesus. Saying in your heart, unless God saves me, I am lost. Unless I throw myself at the feet of Jesus saying, Oh Jesus, you are wonderful. The preacher man at West Church tells me that you care for me. Would you please come and show me who you are? Would you please help me to know you and to trust in you? That is how you enter the door, into this most wonderful shelter, this most wonderful blessing of knowing Jesus Christ. This is the blessing that will help you to get through even death itself. Jesus says, the one who loses his life for my sake will gain it for eternity. Oh, I pray God would help you to believe in Jesus. And I, as a preacher who seeks to convey to you the Bible honestly, I can give you no assurance that these blessings are yours until you wholeheartedly commit yourself to Jesus Christ in faith. But what I can assure you, and what I most pray for, is that when you commit yourself to Him, I can say to you, look at the promises of God that are yours through faith in Jesus. Oh, would the Holy Spirit help you to know that? Let's pray now. Let's ask God for His mercy. Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You so much that You communicated to us about Yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank You so much, Lord, for teaching us these things about Jesus and how wonderful He is to His people. Lord, help every one of Your people to seek after You in His name. Let us be so encouraged and wonderfully drawn to You because of these wonderful things. But Lord, we also pray now for those who are here who may yet not know you. Lord, we ask you to show them your love, to open their hearts to you, and to help them to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We want them to enter into this most glorious joy and love. Lord, we know that you are able to help even the weakest of people. Help them, Lord, to know you. We want that because that is the best thing for them. Do this wonderful thing, Lord, for them and for the sake of showing your great glory and saving, uh, and saving sins. Help them, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's, let's stand and sing some more in response.